The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Drew Ramsey. He is a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology and a fellow of the American Psychiatric Association. Using the latest brain science and nutritional research, modern treatments, and an array of delicious food, he aims to help people live their happier, healthiest lives. Today, we're discussing his book, Eat Complete. So, Dr. Ramsey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Risk. Good to be with you. So what inspires you to write this book? Well, E-Complete really came out of my interest in helping patients uh, to more effectively use food and other lifestyle management uh, methods in terms of, uh, I'm a psychiatrist, I work with folks who are struggling with anxiety and depression, and I wanted to consolidate what I've been learning over the last decade and, and really kind of update my last two books, The Happiness Diet and Fifty Shades of Kale, with um, just a real dedicated nutritional psychiatry cookbook. And so I think I was uh, inspired in part just by all the response uh, that I've gotten, but also the growing interest in how food relates to brain health and just you know, really seeing that begin to get some momentum. You know, I, I think it's something that um, only has pressed recently. And, you know, over the years, I've heard doctors tell um, people, well, food doesn't make a difference for you, so it doesn't matter what you eat. Yeah, that seems like a strange statement. I don't know who any trained medical professional who wouldn't uh, endorse that food is the most important lifestyle factor and really most important risk factor under our control. I mean, that's that's very, very clear in the data at this point. This isn't um, sort of, it's interesting that food often gets pulled into the kind of quote unquote complementary and alternative medicine um, uh, chapters and books and, and in conferences. And it struck me as a little odd just that food is quite, um, quite foundational. And so, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine any health professional in 2017 suggesting that food doesn't made, play a major factor in, in really most disease processes. Well, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, maybe this is in Canada, but um, I've had patients get laughed at because they're, they're making changes in their life to, um, to eat better. And they're told, oh, you can't live like that. It's too strict. And, and doctors want to prescribe them, you know, medication for their, the symptoms that they have from eating foods that don't work for them. Yeah, it's, I think it's a tense spot for a lot of physicians because, in general, we aren't really trained in nutrition very much. And then, and then we often see patients go, you know, from extreme diet uh, to, you know, from one to another. And, and I certainly can appreciate that frustration from some of my colleagues that, you know, you see people who are talking um, a good game about changing their lifestyle or maybe losing weight or getting healthier, and they come back, you know, month after month, and, and they haven't. And that's the challenge of facing physicians. You're recommending lifestyle changes, and, and, and patients sometimes aren't making them for a variety of reasons. And, and what the evidence suggests is certainly that you know, that's where a medication is going to be most helpful to that patient, uh, um, at least in the short term. So it's a difficult spot. Now, certainly we're not doing a good job of prescribing food and assessing uh, diet in our healthcare systems, either in the U.S. or in Canada. But, you know, we're seeing women, I think, us really working for having a health care system, not just a, a sickness care system, and that's where we need to go. 
So um, if it's difficult for doctors, because you haven't, you, you know, you say this in your book and you said it now that um, there's not a lot of training for nutrition. And so what you've started to do is actually prescribe food. So what does that mean for, for you and for your patients overall? Well, I think it means that my patients and I are having more fun than other doctors. I think that's one part that's really <laughs> clear to me that um, I'm a psychiatrist, as I said, and so I talk a lot with people around very heavy subjects, depression, addiction, suicide, um, you know, severe insomnia. It's really nice to also have a conversation about um, some great seafood recipes or what it is they don't particularly like about nuts and trying to think of some good swaps and, and creative ideas. Um, so the way it looks in my practice, and I guess for all healthcare providers listening, I, I really want to emphasize it, it's there's a lot to learn, but it's not hard to get started. I was really kind of almost anxious to get started just asking simple questions that you know, mental health professionals are great at, at uh, assessing and, and helping people make behavioral changes. So really, this type of work is right up our alley. And the way it works is just within you know every single patient I've seen, probably about the last 10 years, I just make sure and ask them about food. And I ask them in a little more detail than just one question. I, I you know I want to kind of walk through their life as an eater. I want to hear about you know particular philosophies that they have that govern their eating. Um, you know, some people are eating a vegan diet because they uh, you know are really against killing animals. Um, other people are eating a vegan diet because they've heard it's healthy, and their cousin told them the two. And so I really want to understand what cultural and moral values are driving eaters' choices. And then it's a very simple assessment looking at dietary pattern. You know, anybody who's focused on a singular nutrient or a singular food has really not been paying attention to the nutritional data coming out that, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan and promoter of kale, but, you know, you could never eat a bite of kale in your life and have a perfectly happy, healthy, good brain. So, uh, but, but we look at dietary pattern. So it's not that one piece of pizza you eat. It's do you eat pizza for dinner three nights a week? Um, And that overall pattern is what's most clearly correlated with risks of a bunch of illnesses, depression, dementia, ADHD, schizophrenia even. So So how does eating better help all of those conditions? Well, so the way we want to think about health conditions, in my mind, is looking at this confluence of our genetic risks um, and are environmental uh, factors. So, for example, uh, a way that I tell patients to think about this is like playing poker, right? You get dealt your hand, but boy, some poker players, no matter what hand they get dealt, they, they always come out on top. And that's how we want you to be with your genes and your health. The, the way that it works is that a lot of patients with mental health symptoms um, or brain symptoms, as we tend to call them, uh, you know, not enough energy or focus, uh, low mood, irritability, uh, you know, many of those uh, can have nutritional uh, insufficiency causes. And so if you think about something like the long-chain omega-3 fats or vitamin B12 or vitamin B9 folate, low levels of those just just simply uh, promote lower moods, um, less activity, less energy. And, And so... One way that it's helpful to patients is they're simply just getting more nutrients in it, and they're getting more nutrients in the healthiest form, which isn't from supplements, but from food. Um, the, the other way that I think it helps patients is it gets people engaged in their life, and there's a there's an effect simply of nourishing yourself, of just uh, taking uh, the uh, time and, and the energy to prioritize your food and your nutrition, uh, not in a complicated way or in an expensive way, just in a good habit kind of way. Uh, and, and so that that's probably one of the most fulfilling parts, I think, of watching people change, is that they just are more engaged with their self-care. Um, well, you know, that that's important as well. A lot of people aren't very good at self-care. We're kind of, we're too busy and too distracted. And um, I, I know, I, getting so soft yeah. as a species, I'm really getting quite concerned. I hear this all the time, you know, we're too busy. We're, and it's just like, my goodness, what's happened to us, right? I mean, I don't know if you have this experience, but it just seems a little <laughs> sad to me of all the, you know, the, the, the things that we've prioritized above our own health. It's, uh, sorry, I just have 
the more I hear, you know, it costs too much, takes too much time, it just begins to feel um, really untrue. And and um, I don't know. Well, I think. Do a, I mean, do you, do you have that feeling ever? Or am I just being? Hard? I I do. I think that there's a pile of excuses on top of it. Um, you know, I've got my kids. I can't take. You know, even when I say just five minutes before bed, and there's no time for that. Um, I think though, from what I've gathered, is there's also a kind of shame for taking that time for yourself, especially if you have kids and a spouse and and a job, and those things are supposed to be prioritized over ourselves, and we're not looking at what we need we're looking at what everybody else needs that's a, a, a huge problem I would say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy parent um, I have my clinic I've got a <laughs> wonderful spouse um, for me to take an hour just for me I, I, I definitely think people have to overcome that feeling of shame I think the tip in doing that is understanding that you want to be your best self, right? I don't like being around my, you know, uh, kids and, and being a parent when I'm grumpy and sleep deprived and, and hungry. I don't think I'm the best husband and dad that I can be. And so, you know, I, I really believe that this type of maintenance on the self is something that we really need to incorporate. And, you know, I, I, I think that honoring that feeling of, of guilt, that, that it is a little hard to prioritize yourself. But um, I think the trick is that you really make a commitment that you're going to use that relaxation for a greater good, either in your family or in your community, and, and, um, and simply take pleasure in the self, that you are functioning well and doing well. Well, you know, I definitely agree, and especially when we're talking about working on food and changing those habits are also nourishing us and helping us feel better, which is what we're talking about here. Yes, yes, that, that's really at the, at, the root, at the root of this work is giving people more of the right nutrients that we know are, you know, just absolutely essential for brain health and mood and, and um you know, and even now we have a, you know, some reasonable data that can be used in the treatment of clinical depression. We've not really had that type of evidence before, but it's really been growing. So uh, what is that evidence? Well, uh, the, the best evidence, is, so, so for, let's say, about 10 years, there have been these correlational studies. So they'll look at someone's dietary pattern or one of my favorite researchers, Al, uh, Almu Sanchez-Viegas, is in Spain. And she did a great study It's using the Sun Navarro data set where they looked at 10,000 university students and they followed them over four years and they screened out anybody who already had depression. And they looked at their diets and they had them fill out all kinds of questionnaires and interviewed them and they, and they ranked all students on a scale of one to nine in terms of how closely they were following the Mediterranean diet. What they found is the people who were most closely following the Mediterranean diet reduced their risk of depression by about 50%, depending on how you slice up the numbers, between 40 and 50%. And so that, that you know, suggests a real powerful potential intervention from food, but it's a correlational study. And so it's just, you know, we can't, we can't prove causation with that. Well, in last January, um, I'm sorry, this January, Felice Jack is one of the top nutritional psychiatry researchers, and she's the president of our International Society of Nutritional and Psychiatry Research. She completed what's called the SMILES trial, and I encourage everybody just to look it up. It's free online. It's a really nice trial. And they took patients with severe to moderate depression who were already in treatment. And we know a lot of patients don't get better, all the way better, in mental health treatments, right? You'll, your symptoms will get a little bit better, but you're not all the way out of the depression. They gave those individuals a modified Mediterranean diet, or they, they instructed them on it and had support groups and really got them to shift their food, mainly increasing fish, increasing beans and legumes, increasing nuts, um, decreasing processed foods, right? Common sense stuff we all know. They found that uh, a third of the people with this resistant depression uh, remitted, meaning they no longer had depression. And, and if that were a medication study, it would be a multi-billion dollar drug. I mean, that, that <laughs> is a really nice result. Um, and so that, that's in another uh, trial is coming out actually here in a few months uh, that, that replicates that finding. Uh, so th that's the type of data that gets me very excited because it suggests that there is more than just the good common sense, boy, eat right, feel right, you are what you eat. <laughs> there, there, there is um, 
strong evidence that this can be used to really uh, help us, help patients. Well, you know, it, it, it is encouraging because uh, a lot of people, I mean, so many people are affected by depression and anxiety and medications don't don't get them all the way there. Or they're having side effects and, and they're feeling uncomfortable with their treatment. And, and so the fact that there's something they can do at home and we have to buy food anyway. Um, and right. like you said, right. it's, it, yeah, <laughs> so it's not really costing that much um, or it's something they would already spend money on and then they can change their lives that way. Yeah, no, I, I like the fact that uh, patients can do it themselves because it's empowering if you think that, you know, my other big treatments, I do a lot of psychotherapy, right? So that takes a while and it's expensive and, and really, I think, very helpful to many people. Uh, I use medication for a lot of patients and, and, you know, there are certainly patients where that's a home run and they do great. But a lot of patients, as you suggest, they still have some residual symptoms or they end up on, you know, two or three or four medications and they'll have side effects of gaining weight or, you know, whatever side effects medications can have. Uh, and they take a month to work, usually. So I like food. It's like, you're going to eat dinner tonight, right? I want you to look at your plate and think about your brain cells. Think about the nutrients that they need, which it's not real hard to learn about. And make sure and focus that those foods are are, are how you're organizing your eating, not around calories, not around the idea that fat is bad, not not all these kind of past notions of nutrition that have been really unhelpful. Really thinking about what are the top sources of long-chain omega-3 fats and phytonutrients and magnesium. We know those are highly correlated with depression. We know that those come in the healthiest foods. Let's fill your plate with those, and you can do that tonight. And it's uh, I I think patients like that because it's something they can do. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's something to get excited about, although I, I think most of us are resistant to change. I find it really exciting to to um, have new ideas. And like you said, start talking about, you know, recipes and, and getting excited about something as opposed to being depressed and being stuck in, in that feeling. There's something you can do to move forward out of it. Yeah, well, that, that that's that's the hope that we hope to give patients in our clinic and that, that's the result that we're seeing is that it just it 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 is um is a huge factor in people's lives and you know something that if you're not eating well that people are feeling really guilty about and uh you know if you uh are eating well quote unquote well uh, usually there's some <laughs> things that we can help people tune up Exactly. So we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Drew Ramsey. He's the author of Eat Complete. We're going to be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio. 
Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Drew Ramsey, and we're discussing his book, Eat Complete. So, Dr. Ramsey, you mentioned before the break about, um, you know, nutrients and and not having enough nutrients can make us, you know, depressed and anxious and and all the um, other um, illnesses you mentioned. But um, how can we get the nutrients through food? What do we need to change? So... If we think about, it's a great question. Uh, if we think about what really most Americans or most people in the Western diet need to change, what we do is we focus on food categories, right? And so we, we try and not, not just think about, you know, wild salmon, which everyone knows about or hears about, but we try to think about seafood. And what are the superstars in seafood and is seafood in your diet? And, and so for most people, if you look across the kind of Western diet, what's missing is seafood. The average American only eats 14 pounds of seafood a year. And one of the biggest shifts that people can make is swapping out processed foods or low-quality meats like deli meats, you know, bologna and ham and turkey, and swapping those out for more nutrient-dense seafoods that are very concentrated in the long-chain omega-3 fats, vitamin B12, zinc, protein, the things that our brain really, really needs and many people aren't getting enough of. Um if you look at a nutrient like zinc or magnesium, this is really one of the major minerals needed in the brain. Around 50% of Americans don't meet the recommended daily allowance every single day. And so what we do is we look for these food categories like seafood. Another one are leafy greens, right? Just when you, when you look at your plate, are you seeing a lot of beige food? And usually most people are, right? Our, our fries and our buns and our <laughs> breads. Um, or are you seeing a lot of colors on your plate? And uh, and usually when you're eating the healthiest food categories, what, rainbow vegetables, lots of colorful vegetables, leafy greens, some seafood, some grass-fed beef, but, you know, those foods are quite colorful. Um, but the, the food categories that we want people really watching and cutting out generally are commercial baked goods. Those increase your risk of depression by 40%. And uh, if you think about what's in commercial baked goods, they're, they're really one of the main sources of simple sugars and and set of fats that you know, we generally want people to avoid uh, vegetable oils um, and and then you know just really what we try to do uh, so in, in New York City we have our nutritional psychiatry clinic called the brain food clinic and we have a great uh, uh, therapist and, and chef and food coach there and we do an assessment and then really try to tailor a plan uh, not a like eat this every single day, but but let's set some goals, right? If your goal is to eat more seafood, that's a hard thing to do if you don't know how to cook fish or you don't know where to buy fish. Or I didn't start eating seafood until I was about 30. And it just, you know, it just took a little while. So, like, I was scared of fish. I thought I was going to, like, poison myself or, you know, uh, stink up my kitchen. So we, we set small goals around meals to teach people skills, right? Um, I have a patient I was talking to this morning, and he is trying to eat healthier. He's had a really bad depression. He's gotten a lot better on a little bit of medicine. Uh, he's been exercising more. He's been trying to eat better. But when we identify what's the real problem, he just doesn't really like any vegetables. And so we've been setting some goals, and it turns out he does like some vegetables. And, and even some of the ones you'd never expect. He really loves mushrooms. He likes broccoli and cauliflower. 
So then we're, we're working with him. So this week, he's going to oven roast some broccoli and cauliflower and let us know how it goes. Um, uh, you know, we're, so, so those are kind of the, the ways that we work with patients is, is to really look at their dietary pattern, see what's missing, and try and help them change that. So if somebody has um, made some, I guess has, has been eating poorly, like a typical American diet, like you said, very beige, and you're talking about making small steps, what is the most common place where you start with somebody? Well, so the first place we start is an assessment, um, and, and then uh, and in that, we're not just assessing what people eat, we're also assessing their motivation, their cooking skills, um, their level of engagement, right? When we work with an individual who just has no interest in food, you know, uh, helping them make a great wild salmon recipe is not going to be a good use of anybody's time. And so we really try to meet people where they are, and I think that's just a big rule in mental health. Um, you know, if you have some bad addiction, my goal in the first session isn't that you walk out, you know, sober. My goal is to meet you and understand where you are and what help you're looking for. Um, and so I think that's really our first step is that assessment. It's something that um, we do, um, I do both in Eat Complete of trying to walk people through the assessment that I do in the clinic. And then we also have a new e-course, Eat to Beat Depression, and, and I walk people through the assessment in video format there. But that's really where, you know, all good healing starts is, is you know, a detailed assessment of what's, what's going wrong in somebody's eating, goals they have. And, you know, the nice thing about humans, and especially humans in the modern era, is everybody's got some thoughts about their eating. <laughs> they think they're not eating well, or they're eating great, or they need to change it. And so it, it's a, uh, that, that, that's usually where we start. So in your book, you talk about the three rules of kale. What is that? So for my book, Fifty Shades of Kale, um, after that happened, we were, we were thinking about how we wanted to um, stay involved. And felt that there was this you know, some momentum around kale, and we had this cute book. And, and so we decided to launch National Kale Day. And, and one of the reasons is that, like, with a lot of superfoods, you know, people think that they're a trend. People think that they kind of came out of nowhere. And, and it felt to me that, you know, kale is, is a very ancient food. I mean, it's the first time I ate kale was in rural Kenya, actually, where it's a traditional dish called sukumawiki. But, you know, kale is eaten around the world. And, and I felt like people were missing the point a little bit that, you know, kale is this trendy thing that's going to save your health. And I thought the real reason that, that kale was trendy as opposed to something like cauliflower or broccoli, you know, both also popular vegetables. The kale is a few attributes. The first is it teaches us the rule of nutrient density. And nutrient density means a food has more nutrients per calorie. So a classic example would be a can of soda. Now, soda really just has calories, about 140 calories in a can of soda. Um, and it doesn't come with any nutrients, really nothing that your brain uses except for the sugar. Compare that with 140 calories of kale. Well, first of all, that would be four and a half cups of kale. And in four and a half cups of kale, I mean, my goodness, I don't know if I can do the math, you're going to get over 2,000% of your vitamin K, you're going to get 800% of your daily vitamin A, you're going to get 600% of your daily vitamin C, and on and on and on, right? Folate, you get more absorbable calcium in kale than you do in milk. So, so there's just a, a number of, um, so that's nutrient density, right? 140 calories, the same amount of energy in both of these, a can of soda and, a, and four and a half cups of kale. But the kale comes with nutrients, so that's nutrient density. And kale really teaches that lesson well, as do all leafy greens, right? They're just packed with nutrition. Um, the second rule uh, of kale is culinary versatility. Now, people don't believe me when I say this because they think, yuck, kale, it tastes like dirt, what do you do with it? But, Kale and most greens can be incorporated into all kinds of foods. We'll, we'll, I'll um, go out to my garden and pick a little kale and saute it up and have it with my eggs in the morning. Really, really filling uh, healthy breakfast. You can have a kale salad for lunch or kale soup. Uh, you can make a kale cocktail or kale pesto. Right? There's all kinds of different ways to use kale. And, and, and that's what we want in people's kitchens and in their fridges. We want them to be full of nutrient-dense foods. Um, because no matter what you pull out and put together, it's healthy for you. And then the last lesson uh, from kale, the rule of kale, is, is local availability. Just emphasizing the 
need for us all to uh, focus on the foods that are available to us and, and affordable to us in our communities. And, and kale fits the bill. It's three bucks for a bunch of organic kale pretty much anywhere. And it's uh, uh, one of those foods that, you know, uh, lasts a long time. You put a big bunch of kale in the, in the fridge, and in two weeks, it's still looking pretty good, uh, unlike something like a mescaline green or arugula, which is you've got a shorter shelf life. So I think those, if we apply, if you look at a food and think, okay, is it nutrient-dense? Can I do a lot of fun things with it in my kitchen? Um, and can I get it locally? You, you know, if the answer is yes, odds are it's probably very good for your brain. Um, what, what are complex carbohydrates? Okay, so complex carbohydrates... Um, are are the good carbs as you think about them. So um, carbohydrates, all of them, simple are, are sugars. It's, an, it's a way. It's another way to say sugar. So glucose is a carbohydrate. Um, when you take uh, glucose, which is blood sugar, it's a sim- simple six carbon sugar, and you you string them together. Uh, well, if you string them together in a certain way, you make fiber. Fiber is simply long change of sugar that our body can't digest, so it passes through us and, until it gets down to the colon where it's eaten by the microbiome, by the bacteria that live in our colon. Um, complex bi- carbohydrates increase your blood sugar less because they're, they're bound up with one another, so you have to break them down. Um, simple sugars are, are things just like glucose and fructose or you know, when you drink soda, sucrose, and they're, they're, they're just the sugar molecule. Each of it hits your stomach, it's rapidly absorbed, and it hits your bloodstream. And so your blood sugar goes up. And, and the issue with that is, you know, man, our blood sugar is going up when we eat isn't that big of a deal, except when it's a big spike or it's a huge sugar load. Because as I tell patients, everything you put in your mouth, your body has to deal with. And, and it's sort of like... Um, it's kind of like the mail, right? If you're sitting by your, uh, you know, your, your mail slot in your front door and someone just keeps shoving junk mail in, well, you know, it's going to take a while to deal with all that. You've got to open the envelopes or throw them out. And, if, and, and so it's a little like that with eating, right? You only want to put stuff in there that is um, uh, in a certain amount, right? And so, um, so complex carbohydrates... You know, again, they don't affect your blood sugar. They aren't correlated with the same types of diseases that blood sugars are, and have that fatigue. And they fill you up because they generally complex carbohydrates have a lot of fiber in them. Right? You think about something like brown rice versus white rice. Brown rice has loads more nutrients. It has lots of fiber, so it's going to keep you full longer. And because it has a more complex complex carbohydrate, it's not going to cause your blood sugar to go as high. So, um, what? How are fermented grains important in this process? Yeah, so, so there's a lot of so fermented foods in general. Just so everybody hears the message, I, I think are really great for your health. And the reason is that, first of all, we've always fermented food, and fermenting is kind of like pre-digesting. So, I think the best example is with gluten. And if you take somebody who's sensitive to gluten, a lot of them can eat sourdough bread, or especially like a doubly fermented bread, because when you ferment grains, the bacteria break down a lot of the proteins and sugars for us. Um, fermented grains, I think, are quite interesting because uh, they, they make grains a little healthier. Um, and, uh, and, and particularly, I guess, fermented dairy is what I tend to focus on a little bit more. Um, uh, fermenting grains, I mean, is a little a little less common. I think one of the things I see more people doing with the grains are sprouting them, which is, again, another way to kind of increase the health quotient of the food. Um, well, I, I think especially with the fermentation, from what I understand, this is traditionally how a lot of brands were made. And then to make it faster, we started to add yeast so that we could make it in factories. And, and some people believe that's where our sensitivity is coming from, is it's not bread isn't made the way that it was traditionally. Yeah, I would I mean, I think that's definitely uh, that's, that's, that's I would agree with that. I mean, it, it, that traditionally we've fermented grains to make breads and that has lowered gluten levels. And if you look at modern bread, they add in a lot of gluten. So there's kind of an increased exposure. And again, going back to that notion of this is about your genetic risks versus your environmental load. And so if you have a little bit of sensitivity, boy, you're getting just gluten poured all over you, you know, you're going to be more likely to have symptoms and develop a problem. 
Um, well, it makes sense um, even with, with just anything, whether it's gluten or whether we're looking at sugar, that we should um, vary what we're eating so that we're not getting overloaded with anything. Yeah. Um, we are going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Drew Ramsey. We're discussing his book, Eat Complete. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Dr. Drew Ramsey, and we're discussing his book, Eat Complete. So, Dr. Ramsey, in your book, you talk about the 21 essential um, nutrients that we get from food, um, and then you break that up. So, what are the seven nutrients for foundation? So, uh, the boy, I wasn't expecting a quiz here. Let me see if I can pull the seven off the top of my head. <laughs> or just, so I mean, so what, is, seven, what does that I, mean? I, um, okay. so, you know, so <laughs> I wanted to divide up the 21 nutrients because you know, there are more than 21 nutrients. There are 34 essential nutrients and minerals, but these are the ones that have the most data, that they really are important in brain health. And I wanted to split them up into to the nutrients that were foundational, meaning that you really need them to build a good brain. Um, so things like the long-chain omega-3 fats or vitamin B12 or, or zinc, 
Yeah, these are really nutrients that are that are workhorses of the brain. We know people get really low intakes of them, and those are foundational. Um, the uh, The next seven I wanted to focus on were uh, around um, uh, protection, right? So how do you protect this brain? And then uh, I wanted to also focus on seven that dealt with what I call ignition, because the brain is a real energetic workhorse. I mean, your brain burns about 420 calories a day, and, and, and burning all that fuel creates a lot of waste, but also just requires a lot of careful biochemistry in the brain, right? So, uh, uh, and, and so those are nutrients for protection, and, and those are one, I'm sorry, those are nutrients for ignition, so something like vitamin B1 or thiamine. And again, a lot of people don't think that, you know, the top source of thiamine is pork. And so people don't really think about a pork chop as like, wow, that has some amazing brain nutrients in it and something I should eat every now and then. Um, nutrients for protection are things like vitamin E. Vitamin E is a fat-soluble nutrient. Your brain's mainly made of fat. And so it helps protect the brain fat. Or some of the phytonutrients, we're learning all this exciting science about how molecules in plants can decrease inflammation and kind of, again, help protect the brain. So um, how, how important are, are fats in this process? Fats are essential because fats are, again, what your brain is made of. And, and, and fats are important right now in history because we've gotten fat wrong. We really, people are interested in sort of the, the history of the last hundred years in terms of food. It, it's been a radical experiment. Um, I just heard the acting head of uh, nutritional neuroscience, um, Dr. Hiblin, speak at a conference. And, and Dr. Hiblin is you know, as credentialed as you get. He's uh, at NIH and, and uh, the National Institute of um, Alcohol Abuse. And he basically pointed out that we have put our population under an experiment where we switched all of the fats from our traditional fats uh, that we would get from, from uh, you know, generally from meats and seafoods to vegetable oils. And by doing that, we've increased our intake of a fat called the omega-6 fatty acids. These are very important fats for us, but we they're kind of like the SWAT team of fats. We use them to make our inflammatory response. And um, uh, as opposed to other fats such as the omega-3 fats, which we've been talking about, omega-3 fats, um, they are... Um, profoundly anti-inflammatory. We know the highest concentration of your long-chain omega-3 fats are in your brain cells. And so fat and getting and, and not fearing fat is really one of the fundamental parts of eater rehabilitation for a lot of people that, you know, in, in your kitchen and eat complete, I just use three fats. I say, hey, let's use extra virgin olive oil because everybody agrees that's really healthy. It's great for you to use in lots, lots, lots of amounts on your salads, on your, you know, in your vegetable dishes. Um, I use a, a little bit of coconut oil, just that, you know, it's a very interesting fat and, and, and I find really helps people access things like greens and, and gives them a little coconut flavor. And, and then I use a little butter just because I, I think a little butter goes a long way for, and again, improving the palatability for some people. Um, and that's it. And, and, and the goal there is to really help people avoid the soybean oils, corn oil, sunflower oil, all, all these other oils. They're really inexpensive, but we've never, ever, ever in the history of humankind eaten as much of them as we have. And it's actually, it's literally changed the fats in our body. If you look at a fat biopsy of a person now, there's lots and lots of omega-6 fats. There's actually a fair number of trans fats still. And that was never the case in human history. So, so that's probably part of what we're seeing in terms of the health epidemic is this change in fats. So um, one thing you talk about a lot in your book is uh, choosing the right proteins, um, which can be complicated for some people. Can you just explain the best way to go about that? Sure. Here's what most people need to do for protein. First of all, what most people need to do is realize that lentils and beans are an amazing source of protein and should be in your diet regularly. Like I would say one of the top dishes in my household for my wife and kids is we eat uh, uh, lentils uh, at least once a week. We'll have it over brown rice, we'll have it over greens, we'll have a little feta cheese, um, but some, and, and uh, red or black beans. Uh, just really, really great for your health. Um, people say, oh, beans make me so gassy. That's because you're not eating beans. <laughs> Once you start eating beans, your gut adjusts, and, and they're not as gas-inducing. Um, so 
uh, other great sources of protein, eggs. Uh, really like eggs uh, in general. I know a lot of physicians don't recommend them because of the dietary cholesterol, but really if you look at the data clearly and closely, dietary cholesterol does not have a lot to do with your blood cholesterol levels. And eggs, again, they, fall, they hit that rule of kale, right? They're really nutrient-dense, lots of protein, B12, B9, uh, lots of what's called choline, um, which is a, a B-like vitamin that doesn't get a lot of a lot of airtime. It's, it's a lot like folate, um, really important. Um, so I like eggs. Uh, I like grass-fed beef. I think it's uh, a really interesting way to think about beef because it, it causes people to have to reconsider what beef is, right? When you hear uh, a cut of beef that has a third fewer calories and more nutrients, uh, that begins to sound pretty interesting. Um, and that's what grass-fed beef is. Um, and then mainly seafood. The big protein source people miss is seafood. Like a good example are mussels. I mean, mussels are just full of protein, very few calories, lots of B12, zinc, omega-3 fats. So mussels, clams, and oysters, I guess, the bivalves are a big food category that we emphasize. Um, and, and those would be the go-to places for protein, I would say, for most people. Um, I'm not a big advocate of eating poultry, not, not for any particular reason. I just don't find it to be very nutrient-dense. Um, but, you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong with it um, for the most part. But those would be the protein sources uh, that I think are, are least controversial and, um, and, and good for you. So I know there's a lot of people that are vegetarian or, or vegan. How can they be sure to get the right uh, nutrients in their diet um, with not eating meat? Well, so if you choose not to eat meat, so I've been vegetarian for about 10 years, and, and so I don't want people to think that I'm a big meat advocate without uh, without some experience on both sides. Um, a vegetarian and vegan diets, and sort of separate those, you know, vegetarian diets, diets where folks aren't eating any meat or fish. So right there, if you're not eating seafood or fish, I, I get a little concerned, especially if you have a history or, or are struggling with your mood in some way. Um, and, you know, I've had a number of patients eating vegetarian diets who just need some meat. And when they begin to eat, you know, small amounts of meat um, or more seafood, their energy improves, their mood is improved. And part of that reason is they don't give up some nutrients very easily, things like zinc and calcium, they can hang on to those. Um, and the other is just certain nutrients aren't available in plants. So think about the long chain omega 3 fats. Bioconcentrated, and they're made by algae, actually. But those are often very hard to find, and you can't find in the plant world. Find shorter omega three fats, ALA. The long chain fats, uh, omega three fats, DHA and EPA, are really only found in seafood. So, when people are eating vegetarian or vegan diet, um, I often think they need to supplement with an omega three fat, and certainly like the. The biggest health advisory, if people are trying to vegan diet, you must take a B12 supplement. I mean, that, that is really one of the most dangerous things out there is, is folks, you know, doing their best to make when they start eating it. And, you know, over time, you become B12 deficient. There are actually 30 case reports in the literature of, of women vegan um, having kids with permanent uh, learning uh, deficits and brain atrophy. That's just because there just wasn't enough B12 in their diet. So... I would actually say at this point, based on the evidence, in my opinion, vegetarian and vegan diet should be contraindicated in pregnancy. Just if you look at the outcome measures of uh, and the nutrients needed for uh, brain health, it's been a little controversial to say maybe, but it just it seems pretty clear to me that the year before pregnancy, we want women eating a lot of omega three fats and long chains, um, you know, long three fats, um, and, and that's where you get. You know, much better outcomes, talking like five to nine extra IQ points. So, um, so it, is there, um, if people are listening to the show, I know we already mentioned this before, but what should be the first thing that they start with if they're going to do take anything from the show today? Okay, so the number one thing I'd want you to think about are are there enough seafood and leafy greens in your diet? I just think those are the two food categories that if you start you start putting in more dark leafy greens, more spinach, kale, Swiss chard, um, 
arugula, just just putting that next thing, your health's going to improve. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna feel more energetic and likely you're gonna lose weight. The second is seafood. I'm just really trying to get wiser and 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 more versatile in your seafood. You know things like ceviche. Again, we we're talking earlier about boy, people say there's not enough time. A ceviche means chopping up some whatever shrimp, scallops, fish, and putting it in lime juice maybe with a little bit of chopped onion and walking away and coming back in 45 minutes. I mean, it, that's just as easy as it gets. There's no muss, there's no fuss. <laughs> uh, so, um, so seafood and leafy greens are really where I emphasize, um, you know, people to start. Um, and then, you know, I would just say awareness of part of e-complete is just asking people, making requests that people just be more mindful. Um, I find so many folks at mealtime, they're rushing, they're gulping it down, they're looking at their phone, and just, you know, to think about your food in maybe a little bit more of an almost spiritual way, that it's a time to really feel very connected um, to your own efforts to bring that meal, but also all of the efforts and energies involved to get that food onto your plate and how fortunate you are to have food, and to really sit with that food and take some deep breaths. Um, probably my favorite part of writing Eat Complete was really thinking about some of these non-nutrient aspects of healthy brain eating. And, and I really just kept coming back to that concept of mindfulness. Do you look at your food and really recognize it, or, or are you having those meals that we've all had them, right? You blink or you go to get that last bite, and your plate's empty because <laughs> you've just shoveled it in. And you think, well, I was on autopilot there. And it's like, yeah, you were, and that's not the healthiest way to eat. It's not going to allow you to chew. It's not going to allow your body to relax and digest. So. So, um, is there any way that people can get a hold of you or more information if they need it? Yeah, sure. We're, we're easy. So, the Brain Food Clinic, you can you can find info about the clinic and info about my practice and some of the other work um, I've done with uh, my TEDx talks and uh, other books at DrewRamseyMD.com. Um, I'm, I'm loving Instagram and Facebook. I, I spend a lot of time uh, posting and, and, and interacting and engaging on social. And uh, so if you're on Instagram or uh, Facebook, check me out. I'm Drew Ramsey, MD, and, and would appreciate the follow. I'm sort of getting engaged with folks who are interested in these topics. And then the, the last thing is we now have an e-course, Eat to Beat Depression. This is for people who depression is, you know, influencing your life. Maybe you don't have a clinical depression, but, you know, you're, you're struggling with your mood or maybe you have a family member with depression. And uh, it's a e-course with, gosh, it has about 60 short videos where I go through all the information we're talking about today to really do a, a, a quick um, uh, distillation about something like B12 or omega-3 fats, what it is, why you need it, what foods you find it in. Um, and so you can also learn about Eat to Be Depression at uh, my site, jurandmd.com. Well, perfect. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. <laughs> and uh, thanks for spreading all the, all the news about health. Yeah, thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Let's be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.